are listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. Good morning, family. I'm going to do the good old Patrick Boatwright stool today. I don't know. Um, It's really good to be here with you today. Uh, How's everybody week? Good, good. Mine was good too. Thanks for asking. Um, So today we're entering a new teaching series, uh, which we're going to camp here for like about nine weeks or so. Uh, It's called The Kingdom of God is Like, right? And we'll have different voices to share throughout the week, different stories. Um, And today I have the honor to lay some foundation for us for this next few weeks. Um, And it's it's been a journey, right? What a journey we've had as a community too, to think about uh, coming off uh, the last teaching series we have in Galatians 5 free people, and understanding how to live as free people. Uh, You know, what is this freedom that Christ has gained for us uh, on our behalf? But also understanding that that alone is not the totality of the gospel, right? That's not the totality of the story that we are a part of. Because if we want to keep growing and maturing as followers of Jesus, we have to pay close attention to the things that he said and the way that he lived, right? So that's why... We need to focus on the kingdom of God because one of the things that Jesus talked about the most was the kingdom of God. In the New Testament, the word kingdom alone is used more than 150 times. Probably most of those talking about the kingdom of God and probably most of those used by Jesus. See, he would say things like, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. No, basically meaning like change your life. The kingdom is here. Well, the time has come. The kingdom has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You know, time's up. Change your life. Believe the message. Uh, or in Luke, you know, Luke will have one of those kind of mission statements that Jesus used to say. Like, people were looking for him. He had done some miracles in the night and whatnot. And people kept looking for him. And was like, wait, wait, wait. Don't you realize that I got to go? Like, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. Because that is why... I was sent. He had a mission. There was something about it. Or in that famous conversation with the Pharisee, the Nicodemus dialogue, right? That they were talking about it. He asked the question, and then Jesus replies to him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And then he goes and, and he adds, like, no one can either enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and of spirit. So I guess the obvious question is, like, what is the kingdom of God? Like, what are we talking about when we use this term? Or better yet, what is Jesus talking about when he says the kingdom of God, right? So like I said, I've been entrusted today to lay some foundation for us. So we're not going to go extremely deep on many of these things yet. But with that being said, I highly want to encourage you to read through the Gospels. Like, pick one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, but go with us in this journey too. Be curious, you know, explore it on your own time as well. Sunday mornings for about 30 to 40 minutes is just not enough. And this is just for us to kind of keep 
teasing each other out and like learn from what God is doing, being in the Jordan together. But please, be curious, observe, dive in on your own. Invite others on this journey too. Because you've got to be asking the questions about how does, how does these things fit in my life? How do these things fit in the reality and the context that I live? And speaking of asking questions, I'm going to get up. Because every time I get up, something important is going to happen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> speaking of asking questions and asking you to be curious about things, I just want you to know that today your participation is required. Uh, very much so. But last week we had a praise Sunday, which is room is very different. We have many different stations and activities that's why that map's still there you can engage with it later if you want to uh but today your participation is still required because this is not just a one talking head towards you i do have some things to share but i do want your thoughts and your feedback and i do want to hear your voices as well so just so you know prepping your hearts um and to start with your participation uh we have a first activity so i want to engage your imagination a little bit so if you see on your seats, you have a little paper and a pen. Uh, if you don't, please raise your hand. I can bring one to you. Uh, if not, ask your neighbor. Or maybe there's an empty seat next to you. I don't know. Everybody good? And please do not use your own paper. If you do have your notebook and everything, you can use your own pen. It's fine. Uh, but do use the papers that were just provided, because that's important too. Uh, and what I want you to do with that is that in just a few words, I want you to describe the place that you grew up. Okay, and here's the thing. I don't want you to name the city. I don't want you to actually give any, like, the point is not to know the geographical location of the thing. Like, it's, it's I know it's hard to think about, like, well, we, we live in a world that we have Google Maps and all this stuff, but that's not the point of this. The point is that I want you to invite someone to see that place through your eyes, experience it through your story. You can draw too if you want to, I won't get passive on it. Uh, but in just a few words, describe the place you grew up. And I think questions that are important to this is like, what things would actually make that list? What things would you choose to share? What things you wouldn't choose to share, you know? Is there maybe a short story that would encapsulate the place you grew up? So I'll give you some minutes to do that. We'll play some song in the background too. So, right away. Yeah. 
How's that? Was it hard? Was it easy? Hard. <laughs> That's fine. Fair. Um, this is what I want you to do with it. I want you to actually give it to the person next to you. Uh, or just to some, get, by the end of today, I just want you to have someone else's paper and you not have yours. That's it. And you don't have to read it now. You can just keep it in your back pocket. You don't have to engage with it now. All right, are we good? Guys, you don't have to read it now. Save it for later. Don't read it, don't read it. All right, because this is what you want to do. I just wanted to save it in your back pocket and read it later. And pray over it later. Pray over whoever the person gave you. Pray over this space, this place that was just described. Pray over this person's family. Pray over for restoration. Pray for the God's kingdom to be a part of that place. Just pray, pray over it later. Just have it. This was just to spark your imagination. Why? Last week we had uh, Nati from 24-7 Prayer South Africa here with us, which is really sweet. Uh, if you had a chance to chat with him, what a sweet man. He's awesome. Love that guy. Love how God made him. But he also shared, uh, in conversation with him, shared some things about, you know, South Africa went through 
rough, rough time with apartheid, and he was just sharing about how when they started, um, you know, segregating and everything, they actually were really careful with the things that were put in place to keep, you know, to keep oppression and segregation going, one of the things that was very carefully curated was actually removal of anything that would spark your imagination from any type of art, any type of musical instrument, playgrounds, gardens, which is crazy. And it's the same thing as, we've, it's not just one place in history, unfortunately, but we've, we've known this story before. And that is to say, because imagination is a powerful, powerful tool. They know that. We know that. God also knows that. And that's why I had to start today, engage our imagination a little bit, because the primary way that God, that Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, was through stories. And what a better way to explain something that is so foreign to most people, probably the people back then, for most of us still, to It's like, what a better way to explain than sharing a story. But it wasn't just any kind of story. It was actually parables. And that's what we're going to be diving into this next few weeks is actually different parables uh, covering, you know, the kingdom of God. Like the kingdom of God is like. Jesus was a master storyteller, a master creator of our stories as well. Nothing is more attractive and compelling than a story. Like a good story is just inherently interesting. It's not like nobody says, like, please, just give me the facts. I just want to know the facts. Like, no, just, if you tell me a story, I'm like, I'm drawn to it. Like, we tolerate discourse, but stories we actually attend to. We pay attention to them. Something about the way we're wired. See, apart from, like, personal experiences, the stories are actually the quickest way we learn. Developmental psychology actually does review that we learn more easily in the concrete, like, more tangible real, lived, actual, like, factual experiences, but we don't easily remember hundreds of facts or hundreds of lived experiences. We can't live them all, so our brains store information better with stories, meaning it stores information better in the abstract, meaning in this alternative reality place like a story. Because story entertains, informs, involves, motivates, authenticates, and even mirrors experience. See, because by creating a world that is not this world necessarily, a narrative world, like established like a different control universe, like the author or the storyteller, whoever is telling you the story, for a moment, just for a moment, that like, kind of removes us from this reality and tells us what exists in this narrative world. It's a different thing. And it tells us what happens, why, who is who. You're, like, you're involved, you're enveloped in it. It's kind of like watching a Pixar movie. Have you guys ever watched any Pixar movie? It's like, have it happened to you before? It's like, literally, pick one. It's like any one of those will mess with your heart and your emotions in a beautiful way. It's just for a second, you're removed from your own narrative, and you're inserted somewhere else. This is one of my favorites, by the way. Uh, because on this other world, we're then invited to understand our own world evaluate and hopefully redirect our lives in light of the story that we just heard, in light of the narrative that we just heard. You get in it? And that's the power of a story. 
But however, a parable is not just any story. A parable, in a large sense, refers to like an expanded analogy, right? But in their very nature, they do seek to be like, make a rhetorical point, but it's a little different than just like, well, kids, this is the moral of the story. It's, it's not just that, because actually some parables are not even stories after all. The word parable in English refers to a short narrative. It usually has two levels of meaning. But in the Greek and the Hebrew word, parable is actually a much broader sense and there's a variety of different, different literary forms. But parables for Jesus were the go-to way for him to explain the kingdom of God, to show God's character to the world, and his expectation for creation. And not just any creation, it was usually his expectation for human creation. So we have to always look in parables and take into consideration what was happening around them, who he was telling it to, what was the context of it, uh, where and whom and why. Because, for example, the prodigal son, like probably one of the most famous parables thing, it kind of only works its magic because we know who was in the crowd, meaning there was Pharisees, there were sinners, there was that, like, you know. So then you place the story that is being told within the people who are listening. It's like, ah, kind of get it now. It's not voided of context. Um, a theologian called Clios Nodgress describes parables as the stories with intent. And I really like that because Jesus' intent is really what we want to seek after it, to understand the parables and to understand what he was talking about, the kingdom of God. Uh, Snodgrass writes, Parables do not need to be curtailed, rewritten, domesticated, psychologized, decontextualized, or controlled. They need to be allowed to speak. They need to be heard. Some parables are as clear as bells, while others, you know, we may discuss nuances and backgrounds like lengthy treatises, but they do not need explanation so much as implementation. The effect in us is to say, stop resisting and do it. Or sometimes they would say, believe it. See, there's always an invitation from the Father in each word Jesus spoke. There's always an invitation from the Father in each hand Jesus extended to, each miracle he performed, the way he lived, each look that he engaged. So on top of revealing God's character and kingdom through stories, which we'll get to in a minute, a more personal question that should always arise when we're reading through parables is how Jesus seek to change attitudes and behavior with the story he just shared. What is the invitation of, of change that he's offering? Because remember, his first very announcing words in his ministry, like repent, meaning change your lives. The kingdom of God is at hand. So there's always an invitation to relationship with the Father that will lead us into change. There's an expectation to respond. So we are going to dive deep into parables. Every week will be a different parable uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, different teacher, different stories. Uh, and I hope I've done a good job so far to just ready your hearts for it. Um, but we're not just talking about parables because we're trying to understand what is the kingdom of God. So what about the kingdom of God part? Uh, and that's our second activity of the day. You ready? Okay, good. I'm going to stand up. See, I'm standing up. Something important. Something important is happening. Uh, 
take a deep breath. You're good. Okay, you can sit down again. So really just to like work your muscles up a little bit. You're good. Seriously, you can sit down. We're going to watch a quick video. We're going to watch a three-minute video. And maybe you've seen this video before. It's not new. It's from 2008, 2009. Uh, so maybe you've seen it, but it's fine. I just... And then we're going to have a quick minute of discussion. That's why I want to just stand up, so you can like be ready to watch and engage. Good. Uh, we're going to have a little minute of discussion. There will be a microphone passing around if you want to, but you also, you can speak loud enough. Um, and this is not a time to be shy, friends. We're amongst family, so we can observe and learn, and, and there's no wrong answers here. I'm not even asking questions, just asking for your observations. A little bit about the video. Again, it's from 2008, 2009. Uh, it's from this festival called Sasquatch Music Festival, which I don't even think it exists anymore. But anyways, uh, it's a really shaky video. Uh, it's a woman in the crowd that recorded this guy dancing, and you understand why very quickly. Uh, it's a phenomenon. Anyways, there's be this like punk rock reggae band in the background called Santi Gold. You don't have to research them, it's fine. Just letting you know what I know about the video. No trigger warnings or anything. We're just going to observe what's happening in the video. But this is the angle I want you to observe it. I want you to be like sociologists. I want you to be like culture commentators. I want you to pay attention to what is happening in the video, how it's happening, who is involved in the thing, what are the events that are happening, what's the sequence of events that are going on. You good? All right. Let's pay attention. All right. I see something new every time I watch this video. <laughs> so what did you see? Just talk to me for a second. Anybody, come on. Uh, Guy dancing. I like dancing, and then, and then people get involved. Yeah, yeah, that's good. What else? He was dancing very free and kind of Yeah. Good point. That's a good point. What else? What called your attention the most in this video? The Iran. There was a sense of urgency, right? It's like something's happening over there. I just got to be a part of it. What's going on? Right? Courageous, right? He was like, guys, I did it, but please back me up here. Right? I don't want to do it alone. That was good. That was good. What else? The yeah. third guy. The, yeah. This guy? Yeah. Like I, I feel guy. like he did, I don't think he had any friends there. But he so went. I think he yeah, was just good. like ready to go. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. So, invi- so welcoming. So true. He was like, yes, you're here. Yeah. That's sweet. That's a really good point. And, 
Yeah, that's good. I actually, I've, I've watched a different angle from this video. I, I went deep, I'm a good researcher. Uh, there's a different video, it's not as good, the angle is not as good. Uh, it's more steady, definitely. But the guy was dancing for like at least nine to 10 minutes by himself before anything happened. So there's that point too. Uh, who started this? Good, that's a good point. Yeah, so something about the context, right? Like something had to be like prepped, something had to happen there to like make way to this sequence of events to actually happen, right? Did you guys see the guy at the end? Could you see him at all? It's just like a, it's a crowd. Did he pass by? Did he leave? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's... Maybe, I, I, my work. I mean, if you ascend into the head, I don't know. <laughs> but that is a good point. It is a good point. Uh, guys, great job. Look at you. Uh, I believe that there's something also about the kingdom of God in mostly every other observations that you had on this video. Your eyes are open to see it. See, we can connect some dots here, but... One of them, the one that strikes me the most, is that, again, at the end, you don't know who started. Just like something happening. But the one that strikes me the most is the urgency of it. There's like a sense of like, man, something so good is happening over there. I don't know what it is, but I just got to go. Like, you, you jumping over people to get to this thing. And they're like, oh, it's crazy. Something about it. Something like deep down in the core would be like, oh. I don't know what it is. I just got to be around this, this Jesus guy. I don't know what's happening, but I just, something that he's sharing, something that he's living, something that he's proclaiming hits the core. And the other interesting thing is that there's people that are from the get-go right next to the dancing guy, from the beginning, just looking at him. And probably the same person with the camera, just like, why would she start and record him? Probably to mock him. But in the end, she recorded one of the most amazing videos in history. But the thing, the thing is, there was people who were sitting right next to the dancing guy, saw this whole thing happen, and never cared to get up and join. You can be following Jesus forever, but actually never join him. You can just be in the margins forever. It's so cool. The things that he says, the way he lives, that's amazing. Yeah, he shares some invitations here and there, but I never really care to accept it. I just keep sitting here and just watch what's happening. But there's an urgency to it. So what about the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? Let's get to some basic things in here. Basic definitions, because I think sometimes when we talk about the kingdom of God, there's always so many lingo being thrown around, especially in churches, man. Oh, boy. But the kingdom of God is basically... The rule and reign of God. It's anywhere and everywhere that Jesus is king and God reigns. See, so whenever we pray the way Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done, it is basically a redundant statement. Because wherever God's will is done, his kingdom has come. Right? So the two phrases are essentially the same thing. But then you can ask, like, but then why... Why then do we pray this way, and why is it then, if God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all the alls, uh, 
why do we pray in distinction between like heaven and earth and all this? Like your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So a very quick story for you. Can you put that next slide up? Uh, very quick story, which is a narrative of the story that we're a part of. God reigns. Simply put, he is God. God is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Always and forever existing beings, right? God creates earth and us and everything else that you can possibly think for us to live in perfect harmony with him. See that first heaven and earth is one thing. God, it's over all things and we live in perfect harmony with him. But love is not authoritarian. Love does not push its way through. So God, who is pure love and so relational, offers us a choice in obedience to love him back, right? So we then, we as the first humans, Adam and Eve, we take our chances and decide to tear up this perfect relationship uh, that we have with creator God, that we have with the rest of creation. And in that moment, we decide then to live under our own rule and reign, which is basically we just gave reigns to sin and our sinful nature. So those two circles basically got separated, but it still touched each other kind of a bit. But that, however, does not mean that God stopped having any control over earth. Not at all. It does not mean that he stopped being fully uh, God, like over control, dominion, and power, and authority over everything. It does mean, though, that because of his very nature, love, he then devises a plan to reverse all these things, uh, takes the blame that we are to the, the result of sin, uh, dies on our behalf, but still doesn't force its way in. Why? Because he knows the end of the story. So then through Jesus, those two circles overlap a little bit. We have a little bit of heaven and earth together again. Uh, and also an invitation. An invitation to ultimately, like, I get rid of my own reign of things. And like, God, please reign. Please be the God in my life. Be the king of all things especially in my life. So that's the invitation we find in Jesus. We are still in this third circle here. Because ultimately we know that Jesus coming back is a restoration of all things, heaven and earth putting back in place as we read in Revelation. So I know that was a lot, but at least so we can get going. So living under God's ruling reign means to accept his invitation to follow Jesus restoring our relationship with the Father and the rest of creation. And pay close attention that I said restoring and not that like, oh, good, I accepted to follow Jesus, so then I'm fully restored and this is ready to go. Not really, because this is a continuous work. As we all know, it's an ongoing work uh, until the very day Jesus comes back um, to wipe away every tear, to no more sorrow, no more pain, all those things. But... When we read things like, seek first the kingdom of God, that is basically like a present and future statement situation. See, we live now, as followers of Jesus, in light of what will be. So yes, you do not say yes to Jesus to one day, like Katya shared a few weeks ago, oh, I have an insurance proof here, like, I'm okay, I'm sad, like, life doesn't have to change, because I know I got a ticket to heaven, I'm fine. See, we, what's so important for us to understand the kingdom of God and understand the king who rules is because for too long, we just focus on that aspect, which is salvation. Yes, we focus on the cross. We focus on the beautiful work of redemption that God has done. 
But if you only focus on the work of the cross, if you only focus on salvation, we're really completely missing and scratching a huge part of what the story actually is. We're missing the flesh and blood part. We're missing the incarnational part. We're missing the very life of Jesus. Like we're missing the chance to learn to live like him part. We're missing the chance to learn to live in the way that pleases the king that you so called to rule your life. We're missing the sanctification part, the spiritual formation part, the making disciples part. This is discipleship. It's not just saying like, yes, Jesus is king. Nothing in my life has changed. Not really. It's the ongoing work of salvation and sanctification. That's why we need to learn about what is the kingdom of God, how this kingdom functions, who is this king, and how do I live under his rule and reign? Because when you think about it, Jesus kind of had two complementary missions on earth, right? Very simplistically put, he had a cross to die and defeat death. Yes, that was huge. But he also had a mission to teach us how to live as new creation. Because remember that conversation with Nicodemus earlier, like you cannot experience the kingdom of God unless you die to yourself and you're born again in Jesus. Meaning you're choosing to submit again and again to God's perfect rule and reign. And that's a daily thing, friends. And I keep saying submission. It sounds like God just wants submission. It's like, well, I wouldn't advise you ever to submit to someone that you don't know. But that's why we have Jesus who reveals the Father to us. And we can know what his kingdom is like, how, what the king is like, his grace, his love, his mercy. And learn how to live as citizens of heaven, but on this side of heaven. Is it clicking? Are you getting? Okay. Thank you. It's feedback, guys. This is important. Because <laughs> here's something to really, really chew on that... Man, I'm still carrying me, and it really helped me understand this and unlock some things. When we read on John, I'm going to stand up because it's important. When we read on John 17, the night that Jesus was betrayed, when he was in the garden praying, the way he prays, he prays for the Father, he prays for his disciples, he prays for us, he prays for the people who will believe, even haven't seen him face to face. And then he prays, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you for you granted him authority over all people that they might have eternal life to all those who give him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only one through true God and Jesus Christ who you have sent. And then he says, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now Father glorify me in your presence. But this is before the cross. This is the night before he was given into authorities and everything. This was before the cross. He's just praying to God, I have, I have done my work. I've finished the work you gave me to do. What is he talking about? We're always like, well, Jesus came to die for my sins. Like, yes. But we cannot assume that then, that moment, he was talking about the cross because I think he was talking about the way he lived. He was talking about the way he demonstrated and invited people into the kingdom of God. Jesus' life and ministry was to introduce, demonstrate, proclaim, and invite people into the kingdom of God. That was also his assignment. 
That's what he was talking about. His primary mission. Yes, he died for our sins. Yes, he saved the world. Yes, he defeated death. Amen. Yes, he's resurrected. Amen. But his main focus, why he was on earth, was to teach us how to live and invite us into the kingdom of God. Love when the dots connect. Because remember, wherever God's will is done, his kingdom has come. And Jesus didn't do anything that the Father didn't tell him to do. That's the will of God. Therefore, his kingdom has come. Here's one last quote for you guys to encourage you today. Uh, this is from James Bryan Smith. Whenever you're frustrated or worried or anxious, think about this. I am one in whom Christ dwells and delights. I live in the unshakable kingdom of God. The kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I. Friends, the kingdom of God that we're going to dive more and more deep into this next few weeks, the kingdom of God is all around you. Are you seeing it? I do believe that this is an invitation in our teaching text. Don't worry, I'm not, I don't have a whole second sermon because we're just dumping our teaching text today. So okay. But this is the invitation in our teaching text. I'm going to read our teaching text to you guys in, a, in, a, in the message version. Uh, because I do believe whenever you read something in the Bible, they're like, I've read this many times, so I don't really understand this part. Do some research, but read other versions too. Just kind of get some context. And this one really helped me to understand some things and just, whew. Anyways, this is our teaching text today, the message version. The disciples came up and asked, why do you tell stories? And then Jesus replied, you've been given insights into the kingdom of God. You know how he works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them yet. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understanding flow freely. But if there is no readiness or any trace of receptivity, it just disappears. That is why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people toward a welcome awakening. In their present state right now, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen to their blue in the face and they will not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. That quote that he shared from Isaiah. Which says, your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are stupid. They stick their fingers in their ears so they don't have to listen. They screw their ears shut so they don't have to look. So they don't have to deal with me face to face. And let me heal them. Friends, there's healing in the kingdom of God. There's restoration in the kingdom of God. Don't shut your eyes for it. Have your ears open for it. Don't let the forecast of Isaiah repeat it all over again. The kingdom of God is all around you. Are you aware? Is the gospel that you believe, that you live in it, is big enough to encompass the incarnation Jesus, the one with flesh and blood, the way he lived. I want to invite the band back up and we just have a time of response. 
but I don't want you to miss it. The invitation today is to open our eyes and open our ears. Would you stand as we wrap up now? I didn't want to share many stories or so today, because also we watched a video, which is really fun. Because <laughs> um, we will dive into many different stories and parables throughout the next weeks. But I just had this really strong sense that as I was prepping for this, the question that kept coming is just to be aware of what story are you living in. You know, I, I, I've believed a lesser gospel for a long time. And my ears were shut and my eyes were closed and I didn't want to deal with it because it was comfortable, it was fine. I could control it even if I wanted because I knew how it works. But it's so limiting. Actually starts to get hurtful not just for you but for the people around you too that's not what God is about that's why that invitation at the end is like they don't want to see it they don't want to deal with me face to face and let me heal them friends there's so much more to know about the kingdom of God and what the king is like that we've spent eternity learning. That's great. Because God is just never ending. Never ending goodness, love, and mercy, and kindness, grace. But the beauty of the invitation of the kingdom of God is that we can experience it here and now. It's not something for later. It's something for now. So we'll wrap up with communion today. Um, love to invite the communion service to come to the front um, and the story to share around communion is actually from Luke uh, in the road to Emmaus you know Jesus had just been resurrected story had been gone around that like man this guy died there was this whole crazy things that happened in Jerusalem and there's just two disciples that knew everything that happened because they were around and they were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And Jesus appears to them. They don't recognize him yet. Uh, and he's like, what's happening? What are you guys talking about? And then Jesus, and they're like, well, are you the only person who hasn't seen what happened? Or you don't read the news? What's wrong with you? Who are you, dude? And, and they tell him about this guy that was crucified, all the things that happened in Jerusalem. And then Jesus is like, oh, well, but I guess that was supposed to happen, right? Like, oh, tell me about the prophets. You just go dive deep in. It's amazing. So within that short walk actually I don't know if it's a short walk anyways within that walk they get to the place they're going and they're like still don't know it's Jesus and they're like hey man it's almost Passover do you want to just stay with us tonight like just eat with us it's fine and it's like okay okay so Jesus sits at the table with other people 
probably the other disciples, this two that walked with him all this long time chatting. They sit, and then Jesus takes the bread, looking to the Father, he gives thanks. And he takes the cup, he gives thanks. And in that moment, like that, they're like, that is Jesus. It says their eyes were open, and they knew who he was. Something about communion, something about the power relationship with Jesus, like to know who he is, to be in communion with Jesus, is to know the kingdom of God around you. Something about this meal that opens our eyes and our ears and our hearts. So friends, I'll just pray for us. And I invite you to come and take communion. Uh, you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> Father, thank you that you did not just leave us in the dark with absolutely no awareness of, of you. But you made a way. You came not only to rescue us, but to teach us how to live. Again, kind of back in the garden, in your presence, in your goodness, in your warm embrace, in your love. And I know we're not there yet again, but we know that that's where you're going. That's where you're leading us to. Jesus, thank you for revealing the kingdom to us. Showing us how to live. Showing us the Father. God, I just pray that as we respond today, as we linger more in your presence, God, if there's anything, anything at all, that is stopping us from seeing more of you, from knowing more of you, would you just show us? We don't want our ears shut. We don't want our eyes shut. We want you. So, Father, would you bless the bread and the cup? Blessed is your broken body and your shed blood for us. for the invitation to the fullness of life that you offer. Love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Family, come and receive communion. Be blessed in the name of Jesus.